Hi, this is Therapy Tuesday, Smashworld's mental health podcast, and I'm your host, Ruchita Chandrasekhar. I'm a behavioral health researcher and independent psychologist, and this podcast has been created for people who are looking to have conversations around mental health from a feminist perspective. Please remember that this podcast aims to be an educational resource and not a substitute for therapy or treatment. In today's episode, we're talking about postpartum mental health, specifically about postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. Some of the topics we hope to address are the importance of postpartum mental health, what is postpartum depression and anxiety and how to recognize symptoms, what do some of the severe symptoms look like, what do some of the mild symptoms look like, what are some risk factors, what is the role of idolized motherhood, challenges due to postpartum depression and anxiety, and what does support and healing look like. There's a long recovery period for mothers after birth. There's also an adjustment period. There's reorienting to a new body, providing for an infant, meeting societal expectations of what it takes to be a good mother. The pressures are unimaginable. My own mother told me that she felt like everyone cared about the newborn she had birthed first before asking her how she was. And there's something deeply bothersome about how we put parenthood and motherhood on a pedestal as this life-changing, always enjoyable experience. Many will call it a gift, and no one's supposed to complain about a gift, right? Even those within close circles and new relationships and existing relationships, even within all these circles, new mothers feel this overwhelming sense of guilt when they prioritize themselves or complain about discomfort or try to discuss the challenges or talk about how unprepared and anxious they feel about the big changes that have entered their lives. So what is postpartum depression? Postpartum depression is the onset of depressive symptoms after the birth of a child. Human beings are wired to experience a spectrum of emotions. And most new moms reportedly experience something called baby blues after the birth of a child. Now, these baby blues can look like mood swings, crying spells, anxiety, and even difficulty sleeping. These baby blues typically begin within the first two, three days after delivery and may last for up to two weeks. Postpartum depression has some more severe symptoms. So there's depressive mood, which is low mood, excessive crying, difficulty bonding with your baby, withdrawing from your close family and friends, loss of appetite, inability sleeping, overwhelming fatigue, thoughts of causing harm to yourself or to the baby, severe anxiety and panic attacks, difficulty in concentrating, making decisions, feelings of worthlessness and shame and guilt and inadequacy, and a whole lot of hopelessness. Now, some of these can be features of exhaustion because new parents feel very overwhelmed with the birth of a child. There's so much to reorient and adjust to with the presence of this new being in your life. But the severity and the time frame for which it lasts and the difficulty in utilizing your coping skills can make it more vulnerable to postpartum depression. In rare cases, we also see something called postpartum psychosis, which can look like hallucinations, delusions, excessive energy and agitation, paranoia, confusion and disorientation and obsessive thoughts about your baby. And with postpartum anxiety, while it's normal for new mothers, for new parents to have some amount of worry, 
Some of the symptoms can include constant racing thoughts or obsessive anxious thoughts, fatigue, hyperventilation, heart palpitations, sweating, nausea and vomiting, digestive issues as well caused by stress. And some of these symptoms can also lead to panic attacks. The problem with the ideology of mothers being superheroes who are always giving and nurturing beings is that we dehumanize them and set an unrealistic standard for them to meet. And with this tendency being so popular and even intergenerational, new mothers internalize these standards and expectations, which can also make them feel like they're failing at a job that they barely started. These are very valid health concerns that become ignored because of these tendencies and because these vulnerabilities are seen as character flaws when they're not. It's inhuman to place an expectation to excel on new mothers. And these symptoms vary in severity. There are a number of risk factors associated with postpartum depression and anxiety. And these factors need to be discussed during family planning sessions, during your doctor's appointments. So families and individuals and couples can feel better prepared for the kind of care a new mother would need after birth. So some of the psychological factors could include a previous history of depression and anxiety or a family history of depression and anxiety or any mental health concerns someone would have had during pregnancy. In fact, research studies have also discovered that individuals who have had moderate to severe PMS symptoms over their lifespan have shown vulnerability to postpartum depression and anxiety too. Previous trauma associated with pregnancy and miscarriage, an undesired pregnancy, family and marital issues, sexual abuse trauma can all increase the risk for PPD and PPA. Now, in many communities, individuals are also subjected to the pressure of having more children than they desire. And the burden and pressure can feel immense. And this puts folks at risk for postpartum mental health concerns. Additionally, when the expectations from pregnancy and births do not match, this can also affect the occurrence of depression. So if the mother is hoping for a vaginal birth, has been preparing a birth plan, would not like pain assistance, etc., but now has to have an emergency C-section due to complications, she's at risk for PPD. Because there's so much information for not only the purpose of education, but there's also the kind of information that perpetuates fear-mongering and shaming when it comes to birth and motherhood and how a parent determines what is good not only for their child but also for themselves. But the truth is that there is only so much that can be controlled and we need to normalize that for folks when they're pregnant, that how birth occurs is not a direct reflection of their first milestone as a parent. Because even biological factors can determine risk for postpartum mental health concerns which makes it even more evident that it's not your fault. It's a valid health concern. High blood sugar levels, hormonal imbalances, or even dysregulation of neurotransmitters like serotonin and tryptophan can cause symptoms of anxiety and depression after birth. Now, when it comes to social factors, the role of privilege and systemic marginalization become very obvious in the degree of risk for postpartum mental health concerns. And when we romanticize childcare, and don't discuss the labor and commitment that parenting demands, we also start turning a blind eye to how privilege plays a role in fulfilling society's standards of quality childcare. So think about the pressures of parenthood now at the intersections of poverty, abuse, culture, underdiagnosis of health concerns, shame and maternal guilt, and even intergenerational trauma, because that often becomes defined by survival. So poor health outcomes start becoming more inevitable. 
Another thing that I've noticed within my practice, but also when I've seen folks give birth around me, my own mother, my aunts, people within my family and closer circles who've given birth too, when I ask them, did they experience symptoms of postpartum depression, of postpartum anxiety, or anything like that, is that there isn't enough information to even recognize what that can look like. And given the stigma attached to mental health concerns, poor patient care too, doctors are also not discussing or providing enough education about postpartum mental health concerns. And maternal health care post-delivery is imperative, which also means that those around the mother need to be aware enough to watch out for signs of postpartum depression and anxiety. Honestly, these are all factors to consider when time is allotted for maternal leave, for parental leave as well. Numerous countries allow for six weeks or lesser maternal leave and do not factor for paternal leave. However, the expectation for child rearing is imposed upon folks shamelessly. Choosing to not have children is extremely frowned upon because we believe that that's how we will further the human race. But at what cost? Who is paying this cost and with what? And think about who are the individuals who have access to things like parental leave. Accessibility to resources does not look equal or equitable. Upper caste folks have access to full-time help in the form of a nanny, housekeeping staff, drivers, comfortable transport that count as additional factors of social support. Domestic workers, service folks, public transport staff, janitors, homeless folks do not have accessibility to these kinds of support which perpetuates intergenerational trauma. These resources will usually come at a loss, which leaves them in a more helpless position and with increased feelings of shame and guilt, furthering the risk for postpartum mental health concerns. So when we think about the expectations that we have from parents, specifically from mothers, we need to start becoming more realistic. We need to stop giving unsolicited advice. We need to ask them what are the ways in which they desire support. What can we do for them? without coming from a place of entitlement that we know best, because that's not helping anyone. It usually contributes to making the problem worse. Because there's already an underdiagnosis of postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety that happens in a lot of non-white countries specifically. But the feelings of shame, maternal guilt, feeling like a failure, role of intergenerational trauma, and all the factors that we discussed that can be correlated with postpartum mental health concerns are not absent. So what does healing look like? I think postpartum mental health concerns, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and in very rare cases, postpartum psychosis as well, feel so intimidating, daunting and terrifying in a vulnerable period of a parent's life that it can become difficult to imagine that healing is probable. But I assure you that it is. Now, treatment varies. But in order to recognize a problem that exists, we also need to know what that problem can look like, which means we need to normalize the discourse around postpartum mental health concerns and start having these conversations with expectant parents during the family planning stage and during the course of pregnancy as well. Read as much as you can. And I won't say that it won't sound scary, but I'm a big advocate of asking questions to your doctors. Newsflash, they owe you the answers. You're not being an inconvenience. You're not overreacting. You're not imagining the problems. It's important to have a relationship with a healthcare provider where we can ask questions. And if that's not provided, it might be time to change the provider itself. If you start having mood symptoms or emotional health symptoms during the pregnancy, discuss it with your provider. 
If psychotherapy is accessible, that can be a supportive resource too. Also, reading and educating should not only be the mother's responsibility. It's supposed to take a village. So whoever is a part of the parent's social support system needs to educate themselves too. Like I said, if psychotherapy is accessible, that can also provide a safe space for you to process your thoughts and emotions. Relationship and rapport need to become bigger priorities in how we view healthcare. A lot of psychological work can be relational. It can allow you to contextualize these concerns, validate how you feel, develop language for communicating with your loved ones. It can be an effective treatment approach with the right fit. And I think this is where family and friends need to step into. A vulnerable parent who just gave birth and is going through a significant mental health concern could need some assistance in normalizing help, setting up appointments, even finding a good clinician. Medication is also a resource that can be accessed, but these things can be very layered in how we approach them. It's normal for you to feel anxious about taking psychotropic medication or having concerns about how it could affect your baby. It's okay. Doubts and questions can be clarified. You're still in the driver's seat and it's okay for you to put yourself first for a while so you can be the kind of parent you want to be for your child. And then there's lifestyle changes, changes in diet, exercise, utilizing existing coping skills and whatnot. But I believe that those are factors you might already know about. And some of those may be easy to exercise, some of them may not be. Going through these concerns in isolation can feel extremely terrifying which is why it's important that we prioritize relationships within healthcare, within our social support systems as well. Which circles back to how all of this cannot be just the mother's responsibility. So healing is definitely possible. I promise you it's not going to feel this way for the rest of your life. And these concerns can be managed. It does get better. That's it for today's episode. My name is Richita, and I'm signing out of today's podcast of Therapy Tuesday. Thank you.